Good morning. <laughs> How's everybody doing this morning? Uh, come on, that wasn't very convincing. There uh, we go. I, I think, let's try that again. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> there we go. Welcome to FCC Church. Could you please stand and worship along with us? Yeah. 
Psalms 18, verse 32, said, God, he clothes me with strength and makes my way perfect. Amen. Let's pray together. God, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for this, this life that you've given us. Uh, thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. Uh, God, thank you for the ups and downs that we, we get to uh, grow closer together and with you. Uh, Father, I ask you to take this time. Allow us to put away our distractions, our worries, our stresses. And God, it's, it's all about you. Thank you. Jesus, and I pray. Amen. Well, good morning. I'm really glad you're here. I know, some people are going to say it's empty words, but I am glad you're here, and I think someone beside you is glad you're here too. Uh, I've, I've worshipped in an empty church, and it could be done, but it is so much better to worship with your friends and family, isn't it? So I'm glad you're here, you're making a difference with someone. Hey, if you're watching online, and you're a local, and you are able, you should come down and join us sometime. But if you can't, it's, we understand. Uh, otherwise, there's a little number scrolling under the screen. We'd love it if you felt your connection card, and the same thing goes for us. So we, we came here to worship, let's do that.
Philippians 4.13, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Before we start the next song, just awesome. Just see little kids running around, makes me <laughs> smile. <laughs>
Joshua 1.9. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go.
get a little bit of a break? Well, good morning, everybody. So, oh, don't break anything. <laughs> so, um, Mark Scott and I are going to do a special here. We've been working on this for a good long while, off and on. And uh, it has a special meaning, especially to this gentleman right here. <laughs> it does. And um, goes a little something like this. Sing along. Hit you out of nowhere and barely leaves you holding on. And when you're tired of fighting, chained by your control, there's freedom and surrender. Lay it down and let it go. So when you're on your knees and answers seem so far away, you're not alone. Stop holding on and just be held. Your world's not falling apart, it's falling into place. I'm on the throne, stop holding on and just be hell. Just be hell. Just be hell. If your eyes are on a storm, you wonder if I love you still. But if your eyes are on the cross, you know I always have and I always will. And not a tear is wasted. In time you'll understand. I'm painting beauty with the ashes. Your life is in my hand. So when you're on your knees and answers seem so far away, you're not alone. Stop holding on and just be held. Your world's not falling apart, it's falling into place. I'm on the throne, stop holding on and just be held. Just be held. Just be held. Lift your hands, lift your eyes. In the storm is where you'll find me And where you are I'll hold your heart I'll hold your heart Come to me and find your rest In the arms of a God who won't let go So when you're on your knees And answers seem so far away You're not alone Stop holding on and just be held. Your world's not falling apart, it's falling into place. I'm on the throne, stop holding on and just be held. Just be held. Just be held. Just be just be hey. 
just be It's a beautiful song. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, I got a little problem, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for your help here. I don't believe, unless my notes deceive me, I don't believe I've ever preached out of Habakkuk before. And there's something in this scripture that makes me super, super happy. And when I get really excited, I start talking really fast. So at any point in time during this sermon, do I start getting like really happy about it? And I start going fast, all I have to do is say, Jerry, slow down. And when you do that, I'm going to look at you and go, okay, that's all I want. So if, if I get too amped up, because these passages, there's something in here that cracks me up, and I don't, want to, I don't want to go too fast for you. So if you were here last week, uh, Jeff started this series, and if you're here this week, you have to come back next two weeks, because Jeff is going to break down chapter three in part. So if you're watching online, you've got to come back in the next two weeks to watch the next two chunks. Uh, Habakkuk is a very, very small book of the scripture. And I'm going to even recommend that it's so small when you go home today, you should read it back and forth because it's like three pages, so you can do that. But there is some really neat stuff here. And uh, I think over time, we, we overlook this, this book and we say, well, it's, it's a minor prophet, so we're not going to study it too much. And I know I've done that, but there are some really neat things, especially when dealing with, with how the world is today. I was thinking, how many different points of view are there on who God is? There, there are a lot. They, a lot of people will believe that um, there is a God, but the God came to create our earth and then leave. And so there's a God, but the God's not really involved in us. Or there are cultures that believe still today that there are not just one God, there are many gods. And each God has its own section that they control. Or some people believe that there is a God, but this God is so profound and so big and so so powerful that this God is unfathomable, so why even bother trying to understand this God? And we can, I can sit up here and, and talk all day long about all these different perspectives on who God is, but really Habakkuk chapter 2 gives us a really good, clear image of who God is in regards to us. So we're going to be in Habakkuk chapter 2. We're going to stay there all day. We're probably not going to read every verse. That doesn't mean I'm trying to skip something. It means I know you guys want to get lunch before 3 o'clock. So please take your Bible home, read it during the week. That way you can see I'm, I'm not trying to leave something out, but we're doing it based on time. So we're going to be in Habakkuk chapter 2, and let's start. We're just going to read just a, a verse or two here at the very beginning. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaints. We're going to stop there. It, this little piece here, this little piece of passage that oftentimes we do and I do, especially when you're reading a chapter or two or you're maybe even you're reading half a chapter and you're doing a devotion, it's easy to take these kind of passages and overlook them. This small thing right here, is our first point. It's, it's understanding who we are with God. So if you were here last week, this is a, a refresher for you. If you're not, this is what happened. So Habakkuk chapter 1, the prophet is called by God, and God gives Habakkuk a, a message 
And he says, I'm going to use the neighboring nation. It's basically Babylon. And Babylon is coming in to wipe out Israel. And what Habakkuk does here is he's kind of confused and he, he asks God a question. He's basically, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, I'm sorry. He's basically pointing out, he's saying, how are, how are you going to use a sinful nation to punish a sinful nation? There was a lot of confusion here that here's this nation of Israel it's God's nation, God's chosen people, but God's going to use this other nation over here that's doing awful things also. So Habakkuk actually asked God, how are you going to use that nation to punish this nation? And this is why this little passage of Scripture is important. Let's read it again. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. We're going to stop again. He is not doing what most people do. What most people do today, and, and myself included, see, we ask God for something, we request God for something, we petition God, whatever adjective you want to use here, we go to God with something. We say, God, dot, 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 right? And we ask God, and then what do we always do right after? We go right back to, right back to our daily life, right? And then we come to church and we go, I've been asking God for this, but he hasn't answered. This passage here gives us the exact definition of who we are with God. Habakkuk asked a question, and what did he do? He went out alone, he went out in solitude, and he waited. See, we want to overlook that frequently because oftentimes we confuse ourselves with who we are to God. We want God to answer all of our requests, all of our petition, all of our questions. We want God to answer it on our timeline. We ask God a question. We say, okay, I'm ready, answer. And then we say, God didn't answer. And I want to say, are you listening? Habakkuk went out alone in the quiet and he waited. Why? Because he understands who God is. We want to demand God interact with us on our schedule. We want God to answer, to talk, to, to grant our wish, whatever we, we view. We want God to do that on our schedule, not God's schedule. And what Habakkuk is doing right here is he's reminding who we are to God. God is not a fairy. He's not a genie. He's not something that's going to come out and grant us wishes. When we petition God with things, what we need to do is the exact thing Habakkuk did. We step away, we shut our mouths, and we wait and we see how God responds. Now I'm gonna, I, I know, luckily, luckily this applies to all of you and not me because I never do this. Luckily, uh, I'm employed by the church, so I never, I never, ever, ever get busy. When I petition God for anything, I'm allowed to go out and just sit and wait in the peace and the solitude. So this applies to everyone except for, you know, me. Not the case. And I'm just as guilty as this as anyone else. And, and I was thinking, I, I wonder, I bet there are a few years that have been where I have petitioned, requested, asked, or, or questioned, God, what's going on? And you know what I do? I do the exact same thing everyone else does. And I go about and I live our daily lives. And then I think sometimes there are, 
moments that the only time I do this is at camp once a year. And you know the reason I'm doing it at camp once a year is because we tell our kids that we send there, hey, from 8 to 8.30, we want you to go out in the woods somewhere, get your Bible, no friends, no toys, no balls, no nothing. We want you to sit and read some scripture and be quiet. And that makes me do it. Since they're doing it, I have to do it. So sometimes uh, I think there might have been a year that have went by that I have not stopped moving for just a, a period of time and waited for God to, to talk, to answer, to respond, to show me. I, I wonder, maybe, maybe this is just me, but some of you, some of you, maybe you're, you're on the same page. It seems like this is a challenge to do this. Maybe there are a few of you that have grown up in a time when you remember that if you wanted to change the channel on the television, you got up and you went over and you turned the knob. And so if the commercial's playing, it has to be really bad before you get yourself off that couch and, and do it. There are a few of you that will probably remember that when you wanted news, you wanted some information, you either went out to the front on your driveway if you had a, a subscription to the newspaper, or you went down to the gas station, you bought yourself a newspaper and you read about it. Some of you remember that. Some of you will remember the, the time that everything seemed a little slower. And you know, you know why it seemed slow? Because if you wanted to get a hold of your friend in a different state, you did it the way it was intended. You wrote them a letter, and in three days, they get it. And then maybe if they respond, it's another three days. So I wonder, is, is this getting to be more of a challenge? Is this getting to be more of a challenge to, to step away from life to step away and, and find some solitude and, and do what Habakkuk did. He, he went to his watch, his watch point. I stationed myself on the tower and I waited. I waited to hear what God would say so I can answer again. I wonder, is this getting easier to do or is this getting harder? Because it feels like to me it's, it's getting to be more of a challenge. It's getting to be a bigger struggle to actually step away from everything, all the noise, all the volume, all the, the lights, everything around me. It, it feels like it's getting more difficult to do what Habakkuk does here. But when we do, we understand who we are in regards to God. God responds to us on God's time, not necessarily on our time. All right, we're going we're gonna to skip again. Let's I'm going to read a little bit more. All right, verse 2. And the Lord answered, the Lord answered me. Look at these words. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. We're going to stop there. The next one's, next one's here. When we look at this passage, we actually understand the expectation from God. Now I know most people in churches panic when, when we use the word expectation in church. Frequently people go, oh great, they're talking about money again. Hide the wallets. He's going to say, God expects me to give him all my money. That's not what we're saying here. Or people get up the, the life idea that there are no expectations, that God doesn't expect anything of you, that you can come to church if you feel like it, if you don't feel like it. You can do what you want, whenever you want, to whoever you want, however you want, because God doesn't care. We have this idea frequently that God has no expectations from us. But this passage here, this is really, this is really cool words. Let's read it again. Write the vision. This is God talking 
to the prophet, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. I have been to more classes in Bible college than I can count. I have spent more time in classes and seminars and lessons than I can count. And I'm going to be honest with you, family. I don't ever remember hearing this. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets. Do you know what that's saying to you? Do you know what that's saying to us? This is really a, really an unusual passage here, and I like this a lot. Because when God was writing this, who was he talking to? The prophet Habakkuk, right? Who are God's messengers today? Anyone want to take a guess? Anyone want to take a guess? Who is God's messengers today? And you and me and us. And what is God's message? If you're not sure, I'm going to give you a hint. I'm going to give you a clue. Here's what's really cool. You ready for this? And I wasn't taught this in Bible college. God said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. You know what that's saying for us today, family? He's saying, you take my message and you make it clear and clean to anyone who hears it. What does that mean? That means you need to have a, a good enough understanding about the Bible, not perfect, so that you can take that message, go out and explain it to someone like they're a two-year-old. All too often, I have sat in lectures, in classes, in seminars, in these great big coliseums, and frequently the person on stage talking is using words I have no idea what they mean. And all I think of is, I'm like 90% through my doctorate, and I have no idea what that guy is saying. We do this all the time. We, we take God's word, which is a fairly simple theme. Not all of it's simple, but the theme of the God, God's word here, God's will, God's plan, is it's fairly simple, and we make it so complex no one can understand it. So what's God's expectation for you and for me? Is to take this message, and you bring it out, and you say it in a way that people can understand. So when you tell them about God's plan, you don't need to use the biggest, fanciest words that I can't pronounce because my tongue doesn't work proper. God's saying, you take this vision, you go out and you make it so people can understand it. Now, let me give you a disclaimer here. That is not saying that everything in God's word is so simple a two-year-old can understand. I'm not saying that because there are passages in the scripture that are very, very complex. There are very deep, um, intricate passages that, that I believe we should get together and, and discuss because they are difficult to understand. But the overall message of the book that we study here every Sunday should not be explained in a way that someone doesn't understand it. The easiest way to understand it is someone says, why do you read the Bible? The Bible is God's love story. It starts out with the, the creation of man. Man messed up. And the rest of the Bible is God's plan to bring those people back to him and make sure everything's clear. And he figured out a way to wash our sins free. That's the message. That should not be so complex, no one understands it. There have been far too many times people have taken this message, and I don't know exactly what their, their need is, but they have made it so hard to understand. Everyone looks at them and goes, huh? 
And I don't know if it's trying to build up their ego so they go, I'm so deep and I'm so smart that no one else can fathom the, the depth of my knowledge. And God is saying, write the vision, make it plain on tablets. This is an understanding the expectations God has of us. God does not want to make this book so difficult that people cannot understand it. Let's move on. Now here comes my favorite part. We're going to skip just a little bit, but this is, this is my favorite part. I'm going to tell you why it's my favorite part, because if I start to smile or I start to giggle, I want you to understand why. It's not just because I've, I've you know, slipping. This is what we call the section, the woe section. There are five woes coming up in God's word. This is God responding when Habakkuk said, why are you using this sinful nation to punish Israel? God's going to issue five woes, and, and I love this so much because it was a while ago, and I'll, I'll tell you, but my, my wife got kind of cranky. She was mad about something, and I looked at her, and I went, whoa, easy girl. And she got this look on her face, and she said, talk to me like I'm a horse and I apologize but usually when someone tells me not to do something that's funny it makes me want to do it more and so from then on anytime I thought she was grumpy I went whoa easy girl easy now and then it was so funny my son started doing it too and that's when it didn't get funny anymore so I'm really I'm really happy here because I get to say five woes without my wife getting cranky at me uh, you can't get mad at me it's God's word now, when we look here, there's some important stuff. Before we, we just talk about the horse talk, when God used the word woe, this is neat here. See, woe to us is a little different, but woe to them, the, the actual word they were using would be pronounced, I'm not going to say it with the, the proper amount of phlegm. So I'm going to pronounce it like an American. It would be pronounced hoy. Now, if you pronounced it in Hebrew, it'd have more ho to it, but it's hoy, is that's what it is. And this word is basically like a, a lamentation word. So let's say you had, let's say you were married and you lost your spouse and you wanted to have a memorial at your house. When your friends and family would come, they would look at you and they would say, hoy, hoy, because it means great sorrow. Great sorrow. It's almost always tied to death, a great loss, loss of life. So when God uses these five hoys here coming up, what this is talking about is whatever comes after the hoy, God's saying great sorrow for this person. So for the person that comes to you and says, God is love, God would never, ever get mad at me for how I live my life. That might not be true because there's five hoys right here in Habakkuk that God is saying great sorrow for them. And God's not saying great sorrow because, oh, they're not having a good day. God's saying there's great sorrow because of the death that's coming. So there's five. We're not gonna, we can't spend all day there. I went super long in, in first service. I gotta cut it down a little bit, but these are some really interesting things. So let's start out. I believe that's, uh, that's verse six. All right, look in the middle of verse six. It's the very first hoy. It says, hoy to him who heaps up what is not his own for how long and loads himself with pledges. You know what that, that's talking about? You know who this is talking about, right? This is talking about thieves. This is talking about theft. This right here where it says, hoy to him who heaps up what is not his own. If you have something that is not your own, either someone gave it to you or someone took it. Am I correct? This is talking about thieves. 
So the very first hoy, great sorrow, God is saying, is those who are stealing. Me and Jeff had a, a debate in the, the office yesterday, and debate's not a, not, not a bad thing. We were having a good time. And let me ask you this, and, and if you are at the age where your income is fairly solidified, or if you're at the spot in life where you're comfortable financially, I want you to think back of a time where you were not. Now there is this, every time I open the news now, it's almost always an article about all the smash and grab stuff. 20, 30 people will, will get their friends together and they'll, they'll make a time and they'll go into a store, they bust all in there at the exact same time, and they all run out and they steal. And now when we look at this, it's easy to sit in church and say, boo on them. But for a lot of them, the things they're stealing would be two or three or four months' salary. So let me ask you a question. If you had 20 or 30 friends, I don't. If you had 20 or 30 friends who would go into a store, grab as much stuff as they could, run out, and you not get caught, would you do it? And remember, if, if you are fairly solid financially, you can't answer this question unless you think back. But if you were 16, 18, 20, 22, maybe 30, and you had no money, and you knew that you can go in the store, grab a whole pile of stuff, leave, sell it, and that would be two or three months of what working is, would you do it? We were just joking about this. I went to Walmart, and an egg is like $48 an egg now. And we were thinking, if I just had like 20 or 30 people, would I grab up a whole bunch of food and just run out the door? Would I do it? Because, to be honest, family, that's really tempting. It's really tempting. But God's saying, hoy, great sorrow to those who are stealing from other people. Next, let's skip down a little bit. Look in verse 8. Hoy to him who gets evil gain for his house to set his nest on high, to be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life. We're going to stop there. You know who he's talking about now? He's saying hoy to the greedy. And he uses, he uses some words here. It doesn't necessarily apply too much to us today that it did them. But when he says, let me find a spot. Look at the verse. He said, woe to him who gets evil gain for his house. And look at this word, to set his nest on high. Do you know what that means? Setting a nest on high is, is God's words for building your house up high. Now, for us, it doesn't mean quite as much, unless you're in Arizona. People want to build their house up high so they have good views of the mountains. But when he's talking here in Scripture, the person that's building their house up on high was doing it for protection. And it's funny, because God's saying, the greedy are building their houses up real high, thinking they're safe. He said they're building their houses up high, and then right below it, he says, you have forfeited your life. So you take those two passages, God's saying, you think you're, you're protecting yourself, but you forfeited your life. God's saying you're doing it to yourself. Woe to the greedy. The greedy who think they're going to build their house up on high. And God's saying you're doing this to yourself. It's a really interesting passage. The next, let's look at verse 14. I'm sorry, verse 12. Not 14, I just teasing. Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city of iniquity. Behold, it is not from the Lord of hosts that people labor merely for fire and nations weary themselves for nothing. You know who he's talking to? Let me summarize that for you. Hoy, great sorrow for the violent. 
I've been debating this, and, and you can catch me after church even opinion. I've been, I've been thinking about, are we more violent now than we were in the past? Or is it only seen that way because we have a, a significant ability to interact with information? I've been, I've been really wrapping my mind around this. Are we more violent now or than we were in the past? I was studying some stuff in the 1800s, and, and it, it, it's mind-boggling how many people in the 1800s were just killed, and they had no idea who did it. So when you start reading about these people that lived way back in the day, they were killed. No one has any idea. So I, I start racking my brain. Are we more violent now than we were in the past? Because I'm back and forth. Because you open the news, and almost every single moment I open my news apps, almost every single one, there's a random act of violence in our nation. Really bizarre things. A person will walk over and stab another person for no reason. They don't even know the person. And then I start wondering, why? Why? Is it because there are people without hope that they're living in a life that is so, so sad and so dark that the idea that if they stab someone, they will go to jail where they will have three meals a day, they will have air conditioning and heat, and they will have cable, and they will have their own bed. So are we more violent now or, or before? And this person talks about who builds a town with blood. That's talking about the individual who's willing to hurt someone to the point of death to make their home better. How about the, I believe it was in Texas, you see the lady, she went to the bank, she got some cash out of the bank, and it wasn't much, I believe it was under $4,000 if, if I'm positive. She went to the bank, there was someone in the parking lot who saw her go into the bank. They got in their car, they followed her home. When she got out of the car, they waited to see if she had her purse. She had her purse, so they went over, they grabbed her, they body slammed her to the point that it broke her spine. So she was paralyzed. And I was thinking, I bet if you asked that woman, said, hey, I'm going to kill you if you don't give me $3,000, would she done it? I'm going to tell you right now, I would have. Because now she lost the ability to walk over what? Less than $4,000? And what's really weird here is everyone involved in that crime is going to go to jail. Everyone in the car, everyone driving, everyone that knew, everyone that saw, everyone is going to jail. And I think about it, I think, hoy, to him who builds a town with blood, that someone would be willing to maim someone for life for less than $4,000. Let's move on. I think that's verse 15. I believe the numbers of my scripture actually get smaller every day, so my Bible is, is adapting. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. You will have your, you will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. Who is he talking about? This is interesting. Woe, hoy, to the drunk. And what's, what's different about this passage is when we look at the words from God, woe to him who makes his neighbor drink. So God's saying there is such sorrow for the individual that is actively trying to push this, this problem and this, this downfall on their neighbors. And he, God, even, God even comes right through down to it. And he says, in order to gaze at their nakedness, this isn't a talking about, oh, you want to get your neighbor drunk to look at them without clothes. What he's saying 
is you are trying to get your neighbor to do shameful things so that you can look at them and make yourself feel better. That is exactly what God's talking about, is the individual who has their own struggles And instead of saying, this is my struggle, they say, I'm struggling, I'm going to get my neighbor to do it with me. Why? So I can look at them in their shame. Whoa, hoy, great sorrow. Great sorrow for the person that is so miserable in life, they want to tear down the people beside them to make themselves feel better. Tell me, family, is that any different than today? Now be honest, is there any different in that today? People are doing that right this very moment. They're living a life and they're so miserable and they don't know what else they can do, but what do they do? Miserable people want to drag other people down. It's easier to live in misery when you know the people around you are miserable. It's just like someone swimming. You have to be really cautious. If you're out on the water and you see someone drowning, you better be a really good swimmer yourself if you're planning on going out and rescuing them because more times have happened than can be counted that someone sees someone struggling in the water, they go out to try to save them. The person that was struggling panics, takes both of them down. Whoa, that's the same thing God's talking about. He's talking to the person that's already struggling and instead of looking at that and dealing with it, they get the person beside him to go down too. I tell my, my kids that all the time. Be careful, because sometimes people that have some serious struggles, they're going to want you to do it too. Why? Not because they like you, but because they're miserable, and, and, and they want, it's, it's easier to struggle when you're not alone. It's happening today, and, and here comes the last one. God saved the best to last. Verse 19. Hoy to him who says to a wooden thing, awake, to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? You know who God's talking to, don't you? He's saying, hoy, great sorrow, great sorrow to the person with idolatry. To the person who looks at something and says, that wood I made is alive. The statue I made is alive. Now, we're not quite as good at this as, we, as they were then. You don't see a lot of idol makers in our, in our society. In other cultures, you see them more. But in our culture, you don't see a lot of that. But you know what you do see? You see people bending their knee and worshiping. They'll put their face to the ground and beg to worship money, things, or people. We're not different idolaters we're different idolaters we don't worship statues frequently we worship something different it's paper or it's things or it's people we will lift things up so high above us so that it it towers above us just like what god's saying and he's saying great sorrow great sorrow to the person who says to a wooden thing awake to a silent stone arise we look at this passage and and maybe maybe this doesn't apply to you here because here's a problem maybe you're sitting in this church maybe you're watching online and what you're going to do is you're going to say to yourself and you're going to say to me and it's true you're going to say i have been bought by the blood of jesus christ you can say i was greedy i was violent i was lustful um i was an idolater all these things that was me but because of jesus christ there are no longer those things and it would be easy to take habakkuk and say oh it's no big deal doesn't really apply to me because I don't have to worry about that because Jesus Christ saved me on that cross. And you are absolutely right. So here's my message to you. 
It's the same thing that God was saying in Habakkuk is the same thing that's being said to you. If you're here and you're looking at this, you're saying, well, God's talking about all these great sorrows for these people. What's that have to do with me? Here it is. When Habakkuk was asking God, why are you using Babylon to attack our nation? God was very clearly saying, I'm in charge. I'm in control. God says, you see what you see, I see it all. You see what you see in this, in this chunk of time, I see it all. So if, if you're looking at this past and you're saying, this has nothing to do with me, you're wrong. Because the message still resonates true today. God is telling you, if you've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, relax. I'm in control. If you're reading the back of it, you say, man, the world's gone crazy. God is saying the same thing to you today that he said to them then, calm down. I'm in control. All of this that's happening, I'm still in control. So when we look around the world, we say, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. God's saying, calm down. I'm still in control. I still have a plan. This is still my creation. And everything that's happening, I'm still in control, and I can still do it for what I want to do. As our uh, band comes up to lead us in a song of decision, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to say, come on down. Once you do, when, when God's talking about these woes, the great sorrow, Man, you are forgiven for anything you've done in the past. God's going to wipe that clean. Hey, if you're watching online, the same thing applies to you. Uh, get a hold of the, the church office. We'll make something happen. If you want to get baptized, make, we'll, we'll make an appointment. We'll schedule it. We'll, we'll get it going. But once that happens, all of, the, all of the past is gone. Or maybe you're wanting some prayers. Um, you feel like the world is closing in on you just like the, the prophet did here. Hey, come on now. We'll pray with you. Or if you're watching online, you want some prayers, put it on that connection card. I know we say it every single week, and I'll say it every single week I can. We look at those cards, we pray about those cards, and that goes for you in the audience too. Don't, don't think it's just online. If you put a, a prayer on that connection card, we pray about it. If it's confidential, mark it. Or if you're a baptized believer, and you like First Christian Church, you want to be part of this family, hey, I'm going to say, come on down. We'll welcome you to open arms. Let's stand as we get ready to sing.
Let me ask you a question, and this is one of my mental debates I've been having. So usually if I have a bad day, I find myself two places. I like to sit right back there in that first chair by the wall, or I like to sit right back there. That's, that's my two places, especially there's like this perfect time, about 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon in this church. The sun's at the exact right angle, so that the church is dim but not dark. And the church is warm, but it's not hot. So it's not like it's a temperature you want to run around the church and play. It's what's warm, but it's, it's like that soothing warmth. And I sit one of those two places, and, and I start having my, my mental debates. And frequently I look at this table, and I, I start debating, what's communion going to be like in heaven? Because I, honestly, most the, the biggest fights I've ever been at involved in church, it, it's about what happens here. And I start wondering, is, is God going to use the glass cups or the plastic cups, because I've, I've seen some of the biggest fights going both directions. You know, some person couldn't hold the, the glass cups, it was too heavy, so they went to the plastic, then everyone was mad that the, the plastic was, was not healthy for the environment, and then, what's he gonna serve in the cups? I mean, how many fights has the church had in the last hundred years? Does wine belong in the cups? Does grape juice belong in the cups? Does grape Kool-Aid belong in the cups? And then we have to argue, where do the cups go? And I wonder, as I sit here, and the the church is nice and dark and peaceful, and I wonder what communion's gonna look like. And then I start thinking, how cool is it gonna be that we're gonna be here with all these believers in heaven, all the ones that went before us, and we're gonna be sharing the exact same thing at the exact same time, and how cool that's gonna be. And that's what we're gonna do today, is is we're gonna pass it out, and it doesn't matter if it's wine, grape, Kool-Aid, juice, doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter if it's plastic cups or glass cups. It doesn't matter where the, the trash goes and who picks the trash up. What matters is what we, what we do during this time. And, and Jesus was quite clear. He says, you do this in remembrance of me. So as we get these, these plastic cups, we're gonna sit down and we're gonna remember the fact that Jesus loved us so much that he gave his life up for us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the, <laughs> the ability to wonder and debate and ponder and, and hope and dream about what communion is gonna be like in heaven. But God, don't let us over, overlook what communion's really about. It's about the fact that you loved us so much that you gave your life up for us. When you said you loved us, you didn't just say it, you showed us, and thank you for that. Thank you for the forgiveness that you have offered to anyone who is willing to accept it. Thank you for showing us what love is. Jesus, I pray, amen.
announcements. If you got your bulletin, you can look. Uh, pretty normal things are going on this week. Uh, regular Sunday night life groups are going on, the youth stuff going on. Uh, LOL is on Tuesday. And of course, Stitches of Love Monday. Regular Bible studies on Wednesday. It's got information on the other side about Lori's Bible study. That's starting in uh, September 6th. But on this back page here, I'm not going to read all of it, but there's a, a bunch of information about things that are going on. Larry and, Blendi, Larry and Brenda Bealey is, is trying to plan a trip, what Peach's Pantry is collecting, what Operation Christmas Child is collecting, and um, Jan Lang needs some boxes. It's all there, so you can, you can check it out. Take it home with you. On the back side of our, our bulletins are prayers and praise con- praises and prayer concerns. And then the praises, let me read it. It says, thank you for all individuals that volunteer their time and effort in working for our Lord by giving back to FCC, from serving in our many ministries and missions to all the behind-the-scenes work. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts and appreciate everything you do. That's, that's from us. You know, it's funny, I was, I was sitting in here, and I, I do this every, every Sunday I'm on, on stage. As you guys are singing, there's always, happens the same way, I always go to myself, there's a certain person here that does a certain ministry and every time I'm sitting there, I think, I am so glad that person's here. I'm not going to say what they do or embarrass them because I don't, I don't want to do that or make someone else feel that since I didn't say that about them, it's hurt their feelings. But there is, there is one individual that every single Sunday, I am so thankful they're here. And so I'm going to tell you this. There's a lot of small ways you can get plugged in. And if you are not plugged in at First Christian Church, hey, you should. We can find a way for you to serve. Uh, there is a lot of small things you can do. Um, and a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that, that goes on that we could definitely use your help. So uh, get a hold of us. We'll, we'll make something happen. We'll go over our special concerns, of course, our nation, uh, our leaders, and our uh, FCC health concerns. There are several on our, our health concerns that are having some procedures done in the very near future, so keep praying for them. Pray for the, the doctors and the staff that are, are helping that. We'll pray for our deployed troops, those away from home. Our shut-ins, like I say every time, if you have a moment, uh, give our shut-ins a call, a note, a visit. They'll love it. Uh, this week, we're, this month, we've been focusing on Santa's West End Stocking Project. Uh, there's information back there about that and then our missions that uh, we, we support. And it's really cool. I don't know if all of you know this or not, but not all of our missions that First Christian supports, we support financially. Some of our missions, we, we support with equipment. So a lot of things that we, we help other groups with, it's not always, you know, it's our money going to them. A lot of times, things that we can't use are actually handed down to some of the missions that we, we have teamed up with, and they use it in other places. So it's kind of neat just watching everything, everything fall in line for God's will. Um, but otherwise, uh, let's, let's stand. We'll have a, a few moments of, of quiet. And then we're going to leave here. We're going to face the world, and we're going to do it uh, loudly being God's messengers like he wants. So let's, let's bow for a little while. Lord, thank you for these, uh, this community that we have. Uh, thank you for these friends and family that, that come together and worship on Sundays and, and praise your name. God, thank you for them. Thank you for this building that we have. It's just got wonderful air conditioning. Keep us cool as we, as we praise your name. Thank you for this community uh, that is, is always here. Uh, and God, and there are always opportunities for us to share you with them. God, thank you for this world. Uh, thank you for the ability to, to be here, to know you. God, I ask you, as we step out of this building, will you give us the courage to be the people that you want us to be? Lord, will you allow us to, to see that we are messengers for you? Lord, will you help us with our message? Will you make sure we can say it clearly and, and precisely? God, for those who are hurting, I, I ask you for healing. 
Lord, if it's a physical healing, if it's, your, if it's your will, will you provide a miraculous healing so that we can see and we know that you're there. But God, if it's not in your will, will you allow us, even in our, our pain and struggles, will you allow us to, to lean on you and, and grow closer to you? God, thank you for the people that are going to volunteer, the, the ones that want to help. God, thank you for this nation. Thank you for our shut-ins, even they can't be here. God, thank you for our military that's, that's uh, out serving and, and keep them safe as they're away. But Lord, thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.